Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Good evening, it's Kelly Alexander in for Dr. Lori this week on Passion. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, very excited tonight because we have a very special guest that is with us for the hour. Her name is Amanda Luderman. Amanda, welcome to CJD. Well, you've been on here a bunch of times before, so this is welcome back, really. Thank you, Kelly. So you are a, a psychotherapist and you're uh, interested in the erotic dynamic of relationships. So very excited to talk to you about a bunch of things, including, I guess, this... Um, therapy that you have called erotic empathy so we're going to get into that in just a second but i did want to make sure that uh if you do have questions as we're going along and you'd like to reach out to amanda and and, and have her answer one of your questions that would be perfect 514-790-0800 by phone and 514-800 by text so um Let's talk a little bit just first of all about because I was actually talking to Aaron Rand earlier tonight saying that I was going to be on for Dr. Lori and this is what we're going to be talking about. And Aaron said, I have no idea what that means. And I said, well, <laughs> tune in at 10 because you're going to find out. So erotic empathy. What is that? OK, so erotic empathy, first of all, he's not supposed to know what that means. Okay. <laughs> um, it is a concept um, that I have developed in, in recent uh, last few years Okay, um, to to essentially be an approach um, within psychotherapy. So right now there's a tremendous divide between mainstream therapy, psychotherapy that people, you know, seek counseling, couples counseling, um, that sort of thing, and sex therapy. Um, and what erotic empathy is seeking to do, first and foremost, is to bridge that gap. Because right now people do expect to be able to dialogue their sexuality and their concerns of erotic uh, identity, that the nuances of their sexual relationships or romantic relationships with their therapists. And unfortunately, therapists uh, often have little to no training in sexuality, intimacy, etc. Um, whereas sex therapy is unfortunately uh, not attracting the mainstream client. So cl sex therapy is often... Uh, something people are referred to by their doctors for diagnostics. So if you have erectile dysfunction or sexual pain, um, maybe sexual trauma as well, you're more likely to talk to a sex therapist. And so the mainstream client um, is somewhere lost between the two. And because nowadays, of course, people are ready to talk about their sexuality. They're interested in talking about how to get more aroused, how to sustain their arousal in relationships. And so uh, my goal with the erotic empathy approach is to create a competence for um, both individuals, couples, and especially therapists to, to have when working with people who are not necessarily going to sex therapists and expecting to talk about their sexuality. Okay. And how did you even come up with this like concept and, and the term even? Uh, okay. So it evolved because, well, two things. Number one, the word empathy. The word empathy is the, is the heart at, right at that core of therapy. Right? We expect therapists to be empathic, non-judgmental, to have unconditional positive regard for their clients. But when it comes to sex stuff, we ultimately always feel a little bit pushed, a little bit more uh, personal. For example, you know, if that kissing scene comes up in, on TV while your grandmother's in the room, you know, there's, those people are going <laughs> to get a little uncomfortable, immediately feel more embarrassed or present in the room because something um, sexual comes up. Right. Therapists aren't different. And if you haven't been trained to challenge your empathy to also include sexuality, then that can make your job a little harder when someone brings up something that makes you uncomfortable. Like, you know, it's uh, your, let's say, 
um, you're perfectly comfortable discussing, um, you know, a gay friend of yours, but then you find out your kid's gay. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that deeper reflex that, a, for example, a therapist might have is going to be shocking and, and bring up challenges of what we call transference in therapy. If, for example, that idea comes up in one of their sessions. Wow. Okay. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about like who like, is it all your clients that you want to sort of be able to understand erotic empathy? Like, or how does that work? Absolutely. Erotic empathy is something that um, you develop more of within yourself so you can forgive and encourage healthy sexuality within yourself. If let's say, you know, some people have fetishes that they don't want to have. Right. They don't want to be aroused by things that arouse them. It could be very upsetting. Mm -hmm. Or they don't, maybe they're challenged by the fact that they just found out their partner's really turned on by something that they don't frankly get or want to have to provide to their partner. Okay. So erotic empathy is something that can exist within self, within partner. Um, but the word, uh, the second word that erotic empathy involves is erotic. Right. And erotic is not a word that people are particularly comfortable with yet mm -hmm. either. Yeah. It sounds dirty to some people. Just the word, just saying the word erotic or seeing it um, is something you want to hide from your kids, let's say. But in fact, my, one of the things I try to do is explain the difference between uh, sexuality and eroticism, that eroticism actually just means sexuality between people. The sort of the nuance of desire flow between people. So mm -hmm. it just, when something is erotic, it just means that it has the capacity to evoke feelings of desire in one or more people. Okay. That's all it means. Now, when you have, let's say, a couple come in to see you and I'm just trying to think of, of what the issue might be, but let's say like, you know, one of them's troubled by something mm -hmm. and the other one's there for support. Is that they're an ideal candidate then to really be empathizing with their partner and to not be judgmental? Absolutely. So I'll usually begin with um, expressing, sort of explaining to them certain core values of the erotic empathy approach that are designed to remove some of that fear that one or both of them are having. The one who has the issue might feel shame mm -hmm. and the other person might feel inadequate or afraid of what that what their partner's bringing up. So really about, it, it brings up, it utilizes, let's say, some of the same skills as basic therapy in that it's encouraging people to not react yep. from fear, but to respond with empathy. And when you were talking earlier about um, therapists needing to sort of have that in their own understanding because of maybe something from when they were a kid or something that has troubled them and then they're faced with it and they can't be judgmental. Is it hard for therapists to take this in? Like, have people been receptive to your erotic empathy theory and yes your very, uh, very much so in the recent years the professional consults that i have uh, that are requested of me so when a colleague calls me up and says i don't know what to do with this case you know when they come into my office and we chat i bring up that approach they often just say you know why that's that's so simple why didn't i think of that that i have to use this extension of this this extra leg on my empathy that i already have and know how to use i have to extend this topic to be something that's um, the, you know, larger or more extensive than what therapy school has taught me, right? That that private, intimate and taboo nature of all things sexuality needs a, 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 a particular empathy, an extra, an erotic empathy that 
that deserves a little honing over time. You mentioned earlier when we were chatting off air that, um, and, and forgive me if I've got this wrong, I don't think I do, but let me know. When you were mentioning it, some of the training that you guys go through, it sounds like when it comes to sexual issues, that's not like always a huge focus. Mm-hmm. And so how do therapists then maybe embrace more of that uh, part of what you guys are all learning, like as, as a, instead of it just being a chapter in their, their studies? Mm-hmm. I think the clients are doing the work for that right now for oh, us yeah? in the okay. field. I think right now what the clients bring to the room, right, what the average couple or individual seeking some counseling about um, is is more willing to be vulnerable and nitty gritty, you know, more detailed, more intimate than it has been in past decades. I would assume that nowadays, you know, people are more interested in having a high quality sex life. They understand that that, uh, for example, dating online or social media in general or, you know, just the changing landscape of their families and whatever, whatever, you know, is going on for them uh, merits a tackling you know the the topics in detail and I I think in the past it was assumed that uh, and it still is in some cases that if you just talk enough and communicate better and share the chores better in the house and agree with uh, how to parent that the sex will just get better right and and that's just false I mean we now in the field understand that that love and attraction do not equal arousal Okay. You know, great communicators are not always having great sex. Right. Okay. We've got much more coming up with uh, psychotherapist Amanda Luterman. Again, you can reach out to us here on CJD until 10 o'clock, 514-790-0800 by phone and 514-800 by text. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Thank you so much for joining us on Passion. Kelly Alexander in for Lori this week. So very excited to be with you until uh, 11 o'clock on CJD. We're joined this evening by psychotherapist Amanda Luterman. And you can actually uh, reach out to her. We've been talking about um, erotic empathy tonight. And uh, if you would like to find out more information, she has a website, eroticempathy.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at eroticempathy. And her office number is 514-914-4716. So, so, Amanda, we actually had a text come in over the uh, the traffic break, and uh, this person is kind of wanting to know, uh, they, they feel like they've maybe been the object of sympathy sex on more than one occasion, and, and sort of, I guess, being there for another person if they've been broken up with. And so they're wondering if that's a form of erotic empathy, like them being there for someone else in that way. The number one value in the erotic empathy approach is intimate justice. This is a term... Um, a- a, a sex researcher, a colleague, uh, Sarah McClelland, uh, came up with. And it literally just very simply means each partner in every sexual interaction has the same right to pleasure, which is amazing if you think about who's often, you know, orgasm sacrificial or, right. you know, that kind of thing in, in the average relationship. Um, and I think it's really great to sympathize with people who, you know, are going through a rough time if you're very excited by that intimate interaction if that you know if that's something that you enjoy doing but if you're aware that you are pitying someone else and giving them something that they need um, there's something there that doesn't sound right to me Mm -hmm. so erotic empathy to me would that mutuality it wouldn't make the cut 
I would really want to hear that this is something you're very excited by and you're looking forward to being reached out to by someone you've had past connections with that you'd be willing to see again. That sounds fine. But um, if you're if you're willing to sort of provide what they aren't what they don't have in that moment until, for example, they have somebody else whom they prefer, you know, or something like that, mm-hmm. I'd say you're really standing um you know, at risk of, of uh, feeling pretty lousy at some point in this interaction. So, no, I don't, I don't think that's erotic empathy. I think you might be a little bit of a sexual martyr. Okay. And we have another text that's come in that I, I think is sort of missing the mark, so I want you to kind of clarify. Because I think, again, because this is these two words together, no one's really seen them before. Mm-hmm. And I think there's obviously, and I'm sure you're getting it in your practice, um, misconceptions about what it means. So this person has texted in saying, I imagine that sessions involving er- erotic empathy could evolve into something creepy which to me so i don't know if they think it's some sort of positioning rather than it's Hmm. more of an understanding and being kindly towards someone else no thank you for the question erotic empathy is uh, first and foremost psychotherapy so that means there is absolutely never any touching in my office there is uh, absolutely no sexual act or anything um, fundamentally uncomfortable for anyone involved Um, thank goodness I have never tolerated an instance of disrespect in my office if there has been I've sort of conveyed gently and and geared us back on track Um, I think that if people feel sort of um, like they're more inclined to open up about their erotic selves they might feel a little awkward they might blush a little they might have a what I call a vulnerability hangover after the session and just want reassurance that they're normal and they're okay and you know they didn't freak me out or something right but in general no it's it's really and truly just um it's a therapy session in which I'm giving them an art a way to articulate uh you know, a little bit more loving kindness toward themselves and their partners through mutuality and communication. And the goal being mutual connection, mutually sustainable connection across time. Isn't that the goal? I mean, most people are afraid that desire declines with marriage, mm-hmm. you know, that desire decreases over time with age. And that is certainly not need to be the case, but we sometimes subscribe to that sort of narrative and it costs us uh, long-term sustainable, uh, happy relationships. Can we talk a little bit about Um, being empathetic to yourself because we talked about sort of the couple situation but I must be a real breakthrough when someone is speaking to you and they kind of realize like they shouldn't be so hard on themselves that's everything what you just said okay so I I wrote a blog uh, it's on medium called um, I am carrot cake uh, lesson in erotic empathy and that's actually that was two years ago um, and that really burst the concept online uh, for me and um, it evolved because Um, I will just say this. My husband loves carrot cake. I do not. I I tend to joke, keep vegetables out of my dessert. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I'm not not down. I'm a chocolate or, you know, I don't know, sweet fruit kind of dessert person. Yeah. And um, but carrot cake is an interesting concept because uh, erotic empathy fundamentally believes that you can't understand how your partner experiences you. Right. So if your partner finds you really attractive um, and you don't feel you are in that moment, Having erotic empathy would allow you to not reject them because you don't find yourself attractive in that instance. Right. And and carrot cake um, explains that in in a way that I don't like carrot cake, but I will find it for him. I will make it for him. um, And I will certainly enjoy him enjoying it. Right. But I don't have to enjoy it myself. And that's that's the metaphor for erotic empathy. That's amazing. 514-790-0800 by phone and 514 by text if you have any questions for Amanda Luderman, again, a psychotherapist who has developed an approach to therapy called erotic empathy. Can you explain to us the difference between um, erotic empathy 
versus sexology or sex therapy. Yes. So, okay. so once again, erotic empathy is, is very much that, um, you know, an approach that exists within under the umbrella of general therapy. And sex therapy is itself a distinctly different sequence of A, trainings, and B, um, typically clients even. So people tend to see a sexologist or a, or a sex therapist when there are um, a, a, you know questions particular to sexual functioning. So just think like this, eroticism versus sexuality. Sexuality at its core is like a medical word. When you think about sexuality, you think about functioning, dysfunction. Right. Right. It's it's some it's the one person uh, view of sexuality. So your sexuality, your sexual functioning. Eroticism is where the the interpersonal component comes in. So the impact people have on each other when it comes to the erotic um, experience. So that flow of desire exchanged and communicated the the connection between people. And so eroticism files under psychotherapy um, and not that sex therapy is not psychotherapy but um, most people who are seeking therapy are often not thinking that they should go to a sex therapist they're thinking that their relationship needs some work so they should go talk to a couple's therapist right so erotic ther- erotic empathy is making the ideas of sexuality more accessible to the mainstream therapist that the average person is more inclined to see do you ever have couples that come in and let's say again they're dealing with whatever but you kind of realize that one of them needs to be more emphatic to themselves to maybe help the relationship be better like do you pull that person aside or do you actually talk to both of them in that moment because again I think Mm. it's almost like it's like they like I'd almost feel like that particular client would or patient would um, be embarrassed in a way if they 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 are kind of realizing that they have an issue that doesn't really start with the two of them. It's with them. Mm-hmm. There is no concern. I I'd often tell my clients, there's no concern that's better treated not in couple. Okay. So if you're, if the situation itself um, is uh, presents in the context of the relationship, there's no harm in the relationship being in the room. Okay. And so if one person has to sort of sit a bit silent <laughs> while some of the conversation goes on with one of the members of the couple, mm-hmm. then you know what? How many times do we often just have to sort of sit with our partners and support them and not necessarily be the the show? Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I often count on partners' patience and, and support while some of the work goes on. And, and I will obviously integrate and, and utilize the presence of the partner to really help with that that um the person who's who feels this the issues are located within them it's not that it's their fault yeah like trauma for example you know it's not their fault that something happened to them but the fear response is located in their body and so to help the couple reconnect erotically and be able to feel safe and risk-taking together sexually they're good we're gonna have to do the work with both of them in the room even though some of the issues present through the body of one of them Okay. And do you ever find that there's a difference between straight couples versus gay couples when it comes to erotic empathy? That's a great question. Uh, it's the kind of thing I'd love to research all uh, right now, you know, and it's, I would, I would say erotic empathy is, um, I, it's because I just saw a couple, a gay couple today, two gentlemen who are very hard on themselves, their body image, they're, you know, they're really, they're just very, very um, strict with themselves. And so they're a little bit strict with each other as well. And 
I, I, I have to say, I think I see that more in men than I do in women. I think women, um, in relationships with women are more likely to be a little bit more kind, particularly around body image, particularly around, um, comfort and, and, you know, battling some of the socialized, you know, that those socialized ideas. Um, but I can't speak to that from an evidence-based standpoint yet. So I've just given you homework. No, I totally. To- <laughs> I love that. It's a great question. It's a great question. Perfect. You're listening to uh, Passion on CJD. We, when we come back, much more to uh, discuss with regards to erotic empathy. Again, if you have questions, Amanda is here until 11 o'clock, 514-790-0800 by phone and 514-800-by-text. My name is Kelly Alexander. In for Lori this week, you're listening to Passion on CJAD. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Good evening. It's Kelly Alexander in for Dr. Lori this week on Passion. Thank you so much for spending time with us. It's 1036. We're here till 11 o'clock. So if you have questions for Amanda Luderman, again, she's a psychotherapist and she's developed an approach to therapy that we're talking about tonight called erotic empathy. Uh, We would love to take your your texts or your calls. And I do want to make sure that if you would like to reach out to Amanda um, and discuss further this approach, uh, her her website is eroticempathy.com. The Instagram handle is at eroticempathy. And of course, you can message her there as well. And her office number is 514-914-4716. So Amanda, over the uh, the break, we actually had some texts come in. So I want to get to them. This one is kind of long, but I, I'm going to try to paraphrase a little bit here. Um, it sounds like this this man was uh, was in the closet 30 years ago. And then at, at one particular uh, point in time, he uh, had to help someone at work. Uh, and and did that uh, was in a bad situation and needed sort I guess a domestic abuse situation, mm-hmm. and he ended up helping this person out of that situation, and for some reason he said during that uh, I guess t- you know time period when he actually helped the, the the man physically move out of this apartment or or wherever he was. Um, he got sort of aroused by the situation and he was just sort of wondering uh, if this was an erotic empathy situation and he said it never happened again in that sort of way but he was just wondering he's like I never understood why it happened that way he's like I was just trying to help this guy that's really interesting so um what I often describe to people when arousal uh unanticipated arousal appears uh is that sex remember sexual arousal or eroticism is not only about who you are attracted to or not even necessarily about attraction at all. Sometimes people ask me, you know, that wasn't the hottest person I've ever seen, but I had such a strong feeling of arousal, for instance, in a particular context, kind of like what you're describing, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to this texter. So what I want to highlight for you here is uh, arousal is not only about who you're attracted to or who you're looking to be attracted by. This is about who you got to be in that moment. So the role you played. And that's what I call erotic narrative. So we unfortunately tend to focus on something called sexual scripts, which are the things we do in bed, right? So all the, the Cosmo articles, you know, how to, you know, blow his mind, <laughs> all yeah, that right. kind of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what you want to look at is is put more emphasis on the erotic narrative. So what's the story that your sexual life is telling you? And if you got to be a hero, a rescuer, a, um, you know, a, a bit of a just a helper in that moment, then you might have actually been in a situation where you would allow yourself to believe that he wanted to be with you. So that meant that in that instance, you actually had erotic empathy 
for that person if they were attracted to you in that moment. You would have thought to yourself, wow, yeah, I would hook up with me right now. Look at me. I'm being a great guy. Mm, Okay. And so in your past, if you hadn't really believed that you were attractive, then you might have been lacking erotic empathy for yourself and erotic empathy for your partner. Just like those instances I I described where, you know, you come home and you're all sweaty from the gym and you feel yucky, but your partner really wants you. And then you say, no, 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 let me go shower first. I feel gross. Right there, you are lacking erotic empathy for your partner being attracted to you despite the fact that you can't understand why they're attracted to you. So what you had in the moment where you were attracted by this this gentleman, you know, many years ago was a, a confident moment in yourself where you would have believed that if they wanted you back, that it was logical to you, that you could really wrap your head around that. So I'm sorry to hear you haven't had that experience um, more in your world. It sounds like you may want to be working on your erotic empathy, on the idea that if someone, in fact, does desire you, that it's very possible that you are, in fact, desirable to that person and, and take a few more risks where that's concerned. 514-790-0800 by phone and 514 by text if you have questions for Amanda again here until 11 o'clock on CJD. What type of empathy is it, Amanda, for example, because I know we've been talking obviously about sort of um, personal erotic empathy. We've been talking about couple erotic empathy. What kind of empathy is it if your 18-year-old comes up to you and, and says, I'm gay? Like what kind of empathy is that? Mm. Um it's interesting. I guess I would just I would just call it erotic empathy for the the third value in the four that I introduce in the sessions is called mindful acceptance. It's the conscious act of accepting a person's erotic life as it is right in front of you. So, you know, nowadays we understand that for uh, that sexual orientation, the term itself um, is is not anymore is no longer sexual preference you know it used to be sexual preference was an accepted term it's no longer accepted because sexual orientation being gay is not a choice it's not a preference it's an orientation your your neurological um, development orients you toward that reality and just as people know they're straight gay people know they're gay Mm -hmm. and so if a parent can wrap their head around the idea of mindful acceptance it's the active practice of erotic empathy for their child by becoming educated about what that really means for them. Um, and then they're more likely to have a great relationship with their child and their child, more importantly, in the, in the instance of their mental health, right? As mm-hmm. far as their, their yeah. mental health is concerned, they're going to do better. They're going to have higher quality standards for their relationships moving forward in their lives if they understand that at their core they're accepted. Have you noticed in your practice, Amanda, like let's say you, you had uh, someone who is now in their 30s, but let's say when they did come out at, you know, 17 or 22 or 24 or whatever it was to their parents, that it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. And now they are struggling with their own erotic empathy. Like, is that, yes. that's a thing. Okay, Absolutely. If there's a lack of acceptance or a great deal of shame in any person's childhood, often religious-based shame, unfortunately, um, uh, then they are often having trouble being assertive in later later on in their relationships we do see that I and mean, we do see that people are afraid to voice their their true needs to assert them themselves um because of just at you know within themselves not feeling deserving or worthy of of what they really need so sexual assertiveness just that capacity to communicate what you really need from your partners is a skill. That's a reason for erotic empathy therapy, of course. Okay. And then again, further to that, like we talked again about if, if uh, you know, an 18 year old came to their, their parent and, and sort of said they're, they're gay or they're transgender or what have you. Um, what happens if it's 
you know, you're wanting acceptance from siblings or aunts and uncles. Is that is that again another form of erotic empathy? I I think it's you know I see erotic empathy as a skill. A skill. Okay. As a um, actually I I've called it in my articles I've called it a practice. Okay. It's a decision to behave through uh, a distinct set of values that are absolutely sanctioned by mental health organizations across you know across the board um you know that are they're healthier we know things like conversion therapy for instance that used to be you know used to be done on on children i mean Mm -hmm. to to get them to not be gay right we know that the suicide rates of those who received uh, conversion therapy you know were uh, unfortunately high it's now illegal right so um mindful acceptance and inclusion of of a spectrum of erotic identities and uh, just identities, you know, in, within the world of sexuality is uh, merits erotic empathy. Okay. So erotic empathy, I would just use it like you would use the word empathy. Okay. Generally, like, are you practicing empathy? Are you using empathy? Are you seeing the situation through an empathy? But I, I specify erotic empathy because I do believe that if we talk about empathy, generally speaking, um, we're leaving out this whole category that really challenges our natural inclination to be empathic. Right. That makes sense. I think a lot of people wouldn't want to even go down that path because it's like too much. Absolutely. And I think even, you know, one of the reasons I want it to be accessible to therapists, um, more mainstream therapists, is because just to be a sex therapist in the first place challenges that. There are very few. Um, I I believe there's something, I forget um, which organization uh, just gave me this stat, but there's something like under a thousand sex therapists in all of the United States that are certified by that organization. There may be others, but generally it's very, it's a very low number, you know, considering, you know, half of them are probably in New York City. Right, right, right. Okay, (laughs) that makes sense. Uh, You're listening to Passion right now on CJD. It's Kelly Alexander in for Dr. Lori this week. And uh, our guest is Amanda Luterman. She's here until 11 o'clock. She's a psychotherapist. Again, she's developed an approach to therapy called Arise. Empathy. If you have questions, 514-790-0800 by phone and 514-800 by text. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. 1049. Minus seven right now in downtown Montreal, a little bit colder with the wind chill. It's Kelly Alexander in for Dr. Lori this week on Passion. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We have a special guest in studio with us uh, tonight, Amanda Luterman, again, a psychotherapist, and she's developed an approach to therapy called erotic empathy. So that's what we've been talking about uh, this evening. We had a text come in over the break, Amanda, and... um, it's uh, from a guy and he says, hi, I'm in my I'm in my 30s. My girlfriend is in her 20s. I find that I have an extremely high sex drive. However, however, she seems to not sort of match my level. And he says something like she tries to have conversation during uh, their their sex sessions. And she doesn't seem to appreciate, I guess, his level of, of you know, sex drive and has even sort of bandied about the word that he could be an addict. So. What I think, what do you say to this, like with regards to erotic empathy? Well, firstly, the number one reason for couples seeking therapy is desire discrepancy. So when one person wants it uh, more or less than the other, very, very, very common concern. Obviously, most couples don't have the exact same sex drive. So, um, you know, I just quickly want to tackle the word addict. I mean, most people use that term as sort of an insult to their partner when they feel inadequate, when they feel that they could never meet their partner's needs sexually. They might call them that. Um, but I will not tackle that <laughs> that subject tonight, the, the, the idea of sex addiction. 
do read the APA statement on it if you are curious. Um, it's not something that we think exists. Um, you know, sex addiction is not the issue. So here what I want to look at is is desire discrepancy in the couple, how you're actually coping with the fact that your desires don't match. And one of the things that I typically recommend, first of all, is, you know, this is this could be a three-session situation um, it, just to look at this distinct problem. So I do encourage you guys to talk to someone because it shouldn't, it shouldn't be something that ultimately distances you across time from one another. But I do say that we use erotic empathy here to allow you each exactly the kind of uh, sexual frequency that you would each want. Just remember, you're not supposed to actually want differently because your partner does. You're not supposed to need something more or less to match each other. What you are supposed to do is be attuned to your body and notice what it is you want. And so when one person wants sexual, um, a sexual interaction, let's say, you know, you're going to bed and one person's really turned on and the other one's not, it's just important for the person who's not interested from a physical standpoint to be able to say, I'm here with you. That's okay. Like I'm, my body's not in the game, but I'm here. And so that, you know, by caressing one another, by being intimate, um, without really needing to be sexually involved, for example, with intercourse or providing any other, um, sexual act, but just being there and allowing them to be sexual in your company as sort of like a co-masturbatory type thing is really where sexual relationships, um, feel fulfilled. People need to be allowed their sexual drives. I've always told people in relationships like this, don't let your sex life become something that you bring to the bathroom before bed. You know, don't treat it like a bowel movement. Keep it open and and proud within your relationships. Allow each other what you need, even if you're changing the script, right? And and really be there with it because this is not something that you ultimately want to have to go downstairs, you know, to take care of to get into bed with your partner. Right. Okay. And do you find, because I know you said that this is, uh, something that's very common with couples do you find that it's it's sort of after that honeymoon period that this sort of crops up where the desires aren't matching or is it after years and years of being together mm, it's in the literature there's tons of chapters of discrepancy so you know the classic stuff uh, would be you know post childbirth for example where you know the woman's body's not quite in the game her mind might be by the way but you know maybe not so they're needing to catch up again and reconnect but desire discrepancies are going to vary just as hormones vary and just as stress varies at times um, as bodies change there's going to be a t many many pockets of life that will experience fluctuations in in mutual desire and do you find like in your practice again because how long have you been sort of um using this approach with erotic empathy like has it been a couple of years now or how like how long have you been yeah uh, i would say i put it in writing online for the first time just over two years ago okay um but i've uh probably well, i would say about four years it's okay. been brewing and do you find that that this is something like a concept that younger couples are willing to grasp or uh, like, is it easier for younger couples or is it easier for older couples to kind of grasp this erotic empathy approach? Um, you know, I'm not actually seeing a pattern yet because okay. I would say younger couples, uh, particularly younger women, um, are are having sex for different reasons than older women, for example, for looking at women. So that social sexual capital, you know, that that need for validation and normalizing that younger women are often seeking makes them, you know, be okay with not orgasming, 
for example, when hooking up, or it makes them a lot harder on their bodies and then distracted by those negative self-talk, those negative feelings about their bodies. And that's where they have to practice erotic empathy and really allow their partners to find them attractive, even when they don't feel they are. And older women have the same kind of thing, right? Where they, they just, they don't, they feel that, um, that permission they don't feel that permission to to need what they need erotically speaking because they don't necessarily look like the you know hollywood women that were were being taught are what sexual women look like so it, it really does vary um but i i would say so far uh i mean this is what my clients are coming to me for most of the time <laughs> and uh it's it's an approach that we find we're able to to apply it pretty much every situation and find where they can practice more intentional connection and more intentional self-kindness or kindness for their couple is this something that could also be applied or you're already applying it to like may december romances mm, that's great yeah, in terms of desire discrepancy, for example, of course, right? People, the older member of the couple is often assuming that they're not going to meet the needs of the younger person in the couple, and the older, the younger person is not necessarily knowing what to do when the older member of the couple struggles a bit um, in their in their sexual performance, right? So, yeah, I think uh, this is that's actually a great example and uh, something that makes me think of clients of mine that I you know can can refresh. Yeah. Do you have a fair amount of like May December romances where it's like or relationships I should mm. say where you know they 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 want to be together but there are so many differences yeah there are some struggles I I think it's it's really tough when the person really let's say the if it's a heterosexual relationship where the woman was you know would like children and it's, uh, that's sort of the conflict um or or if just the negotiations around care are are somewhat imminent um you know in the relationship in terms of the person being significantly uh aging yeah, it, it desire discrepancy, no question, does come up, and just the the fear of not being able to provide the partner, the person you love and are attracted to, with the erotic life that they that they hope for. You know, um, we have like about a minute and a half left to go, and and before I let you go, Amanda, I just wanted to ask you, like, where do you think you can take erotic empathy? Like, where do you want to go with this? Thank you. It's a great question. I. I'm hoping to license erotic empathy competence for therapists. That's that's in my future, um, so that so that therapists can really get acquainted with this uh, approach as as they they see their mainstream clientele for anxiety and depression. I hope to be able to encourage them to to be able to ask these questions. You know, are you gratified in your sexuality? Are you able to express yourself? Assert what you need. Those kinds of questions, unfortunately, still don't come up in 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 therapy sessions um, often enough. And uh, and meanwhile, the next month, you know, up until we, we call it, uh, this is the sexuality season, right? Up until Valentine's Day, um, I've got four podcasts I'm recording in the next month and really excited about projects ahead and uh, leading a workshop in Florida. Um, through, uh, the Modern Sex Therapy Institutes has, has hired me to teach uh, a workshop for therapists uh, in West Palm Beach at the end of the month. So there's some cool some cool things ahead. Very excited. That's amazing. And then yeah. I guess maybe just to leave our, our audience right now, when it comes to erotic empathy, it's really to just to sort of give yourself a break and give your partner a break and be understanding and, and be kind. Yes. At the end of the day, unfortunately, we can, wouldn't all choose ourselves 
as sexual partners, but a lot of other people would choose us, and that's that's right at the crux of it. Amanda, you rock. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Thank you. That's Amanda Luderman. Again, if you'd like to reach out to her, very simple. Empath- uh, eroticempathy.com is the website. The phone number is 514-914-4716, and you can also follow her on Instagram, at eroticempathy. My name is Kelly Alexander, in for Dr. Lori this week on Passion. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night. And uh, My thanks to Chris for pushing all the right buttons and coming up after the news. It's CTV National News on CJD.